Christ is risen. Welcome to our service of worship and remembrance this Sunday morning. Because he is risen, spring is possible in all the hot, cold, hard places gripped by winter and freedom jumps the queue to take fear's place as our focus. Because he is risen. Because he is risen, my future is an epic novel where once it was a mere short story. My contract on life is renewed in perpetuity. My options are open-ended. My travel plans are cosmic because he is risen. Because he is risen, healing is on order and assured and every disability will bow before the endless dance of his ability and my grave too will open when my life is restored. For this frail and fragile body will not be the final word on my condition because he is risen. Because he is risen, hunger will go begging in the streets for want of a home and selfishness will have a shortened shelf life and we will throng to the funeral of famine and dance on the callous grave of war and poverty will be history in our history because he is risen. And because he is risen, a fire burns in my bones and my eyes see possibilities and my heart hears hope like a whisper on the wind and the song that rises in me will not be silenced as life disrupts the shadowed place of death like a butterfly under the skin and death itself runs terrified to hide because he is risen. Let's celebrate the resurrection morning by singing together hymn 257. Lo, Jesus meets us, risen from the tomb, Lovingly he greets us, scatters fear and gloom. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering sun. Father, we rejoice this day. We rejoice with believers throughout time that our Lord is risen. We rejoice that his new life has become our life, that he lives and reigns with you and will come to be with us once again. Lord, we thank you and pray that you'll be with us and bless this worship this morning for his sake. Amen. Please take your seats. We ended our Good Friday service on Friday evening, having read right up to the end of John chapter 19. And we'll pick up the story with the reading of John chapter 20 and Philip is going to come and read that for us. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started from the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter 
who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth, cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Uh, woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Afterward he said this. He showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father hath sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. 
reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. We have a card. Christos and Este, Christ is risen, says the card. Wishing all the Bethel a very happy Easter. This is from Jean, Andriades and family. So I'll leave that card perhaps just on the front here. Um, our brother Malcolm Richards is transferring his membership to the church down in Hawley. Um, there is a card which I've left there. If you'd like to give your love and best wishes to Malcolm uh, in his move, please sign that card. Probably bring it this week and next week and then post it down to Malcolm. This is the care news that I have. Mary is at home, but it, she's struggling with severe pain in her leg. She has an appointment with her consultant on Wednesday. We've mentioned Pauline already. Please continue to think about and pray for Pauline. Gladys and Marion have ongoing health problems and we remember them. Mike Tanner from Macclesfield had a hernia operation in the week and is in a lot of pain at the moment. We remember Hannah and Ollie as they expect the birth of their baby and pray for a healthy pregnancy. Is there anybody else that we should remember in our prayers? Julia. Okay, I hope most of you heard that, but this is Julia's sister Angela is being induced today. This is the birth of their first child. Sylvia. Has? Right, that's Sylvia's neighbour Noel who has cancer. Rather than lead us in prayer this morning, I'm going to leave some time of silence for you to pray for all the people that we've mentioned publicly here this morning and for those people for whom you have a special care. And after I've allowed you that time of silence, we'll say the Lord's Prayer together and bring that time of worship to a close. And so we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. We continue our celebration of the resurrection of Jesus as we sing together our next hymn. This is hymn 256. The first begotten from the dead, lo, Jesus risen, his people's head, to make their life secure.
before David comes to encourage us this morning, he's asked that we read together from Proverbs chapter 22, and Margaret is going to come and read that for us. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common, the Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Humility is the fear of the Lord, its wages are riches and honour and life. In the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who would preserve their life stay far from them. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Those who sow injustice reap calamity, and the rod they wield in fury will be broken. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Drive out the mocker, and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he frustrates the words of the unfaithful. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside, I'll be killed in the public square. The mouth of an adulterous woman is a deep pit. A man who is under the Lord's wrath falls into it. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Those who oppress the poor to increase their wealth, and those who give gifts to the rich... Both come to poverty. Pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach, for it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips. So that your trust may be in the Lord, I teach you today, even you. Have I not written thirty sayings for you, sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you to be honest and to speak the truth so that you bring back truthful reports to those you serve. Do not exploit the poor because they are poor and do not crush the needy in court for the Lord will take up their case and will exact life for life. Do not make friends with the hot-tempered. Do not associate with those who are easily angered or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Do not be one who shakes hands in pledge or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. Do you see those who are skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Thank you, Margaret. David.
For the past six months, I've been taking a history course. And as part of that course, we've had to look at some of the economic changes in the last 300 years. And rather strange when we began last September that we would be confronted by history as it was happening. The recession, the credit crunch, call it what you will. That's when it all began. And although the course has now concluded and we've been talking about these things, I can remember the historians will have an opinion on the current economic state and how it arrived. And one thing that I've had confirmed by fellow students and that since the 1980s, that there has been a change in society. And although speaking from here, I'm expected to quote scriptures, not politicians. But one did sum up the change in society over the last 20, 30 years. And he called it the I, me and now generation. Well, that generation has grown up and come to have influence on today's society. A society that thinks solely about itself. Within the last few weeks, the Archbishop of York has written that anyone seen to have Christian views today is considered to be mad. What makes the rest of society today think that we are not mad and that we are at least a little strange. There's a saying in Yorkshire, if they want art doing, do it for themselves. I, me, and now. <coughs> greed has brought us to where we are today. A greed to make money, and a lot of money, and make it fast. I used to walk uh, my dog and would sometimes bump into a former colleague, someone that's, that worked with uh, me at the, uh, at the town hall many years ago. He left his career in local government to become the managing director of a company that took over the council's care homes. The chairman of the company was a councillor and after operating for a couple of years, the company sacked over a hundreds of its care staff and replaced them with staff that would be paid on the minimum wage. The managing director and the chairman, the chairman of the company actually was later convicted for his part in an armed robbery. But when all this happened, they resigned. It was discovered that they each found that the managing director could decide the pay level for the chairman and the chairman could decide the pay level for the managing director. And they also realised that they could authorise each other's company cars. Much 
is the same in to, with today's bankers who have played with sums that could bankrupt nations but have done very well for themselves out of it. I, me, and now. And from the reading that we've just read, Proverbs 22, verse 16, there it is. What's happened to us? He who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and he who gives gifts to the rich both come to poverty. If bankers' bonuses aren't the rich giving to the rich then what are they? These are the people that think we are mad mad because we love the Lord Jesus they have no concept of love for anyone but themselves I me and now John chapter 15 Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. Verse 17. This is my command. Love each other. This is the one that we are met to remember today. The one who laid down his life for his friends. This is a, a special day for the world, but how many of those that will be eating chocolate eggs know the reasons why they are doing it? That symbol of new birth. The symbol of new life. For some of the world, today is a, a day of frustration because the shops are shut. For others, it's a day of celebration. The day that Jesus rose from the dead. The day when a man that had given everything for the love of his friends. A man that loved the world so much that he gave his life and he gave it for the vilest 
worst people that have lived on this planet. Not just the good, but the really, really bad. And the thing was, he was really good. He was perfect. And what kind of sense does that make? To the selfish, it makes no sense. Why should I give up anything? Especially for someone who has done nothing for me. If I give you something, what do I get in return? What's in it for me? Where's the profit in that? Phrases that are today in everyday use. The only time that society seems to want to do something for nothing, well, that's not really what happens. They're perfectly willing to get into fancy dress and do something ridiculous if they're being sponsored for charity and trying to seek as much publicity as possible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Some of you may remember these words from older versions than the NIV that we now use that says, Charity is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. Love never fails. Sorry if you seem to think I'm a bit down on charity and, and, and fundraisers, but in looking at this, I've just put down a, a publication that was delivered to uh, every house in the village where we live and it's, it's what's going on in, in the next village in, in the next few weeks. And it's called the Beer Walk. And that involves 1,500 people in fancy dress who walk 11 miles through the Saddleworth villages with 10 stops at 10 beer stations. Now, that does raise money. But are they raising it for the right reasons? Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, 
Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. That's love that never fails. If there's one thing that we have seen in the past few months is that greed does fail. Those that wanted to make money fast, those that wanted profits to grow, those that went into the very high risk investments have seen it all collapse. Those of the I, me, and now generation. But the word of God, the love that's shown to us, love never fails. We really do need the love of Christ. Just as Jesus loved us, and so too we must love him. He's the one who gave of his all, his everything for us. Because we were, we are, and we continue to be sinners. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by, this, by his grace that through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice, an atonement, through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his justice. How can we show the love of God in ourselves? How can we show the love that others, to others, that Jesus has shown to us? The first epistle of, uh, of John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son 
as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. God lives in us. His love is made complete in us. We can choose to follow Jesus or we can choose to follow the world. We can walk in the steps of Jesus. We can show others the love that's been shown to us. It goes outwards. God is love. God's love, God's light shines on us and is reflected back into the world. Don't think of I, me, and now. Think we, us, they, them, brothers, sisters, the whole world. We may have to repent from our sins on a daily basis. But if we show love on a daily basis, then God's light will shine, illuminating those that are in darkness. And that's either spiritual or physical. We don't necessarily have to seek out the needy, the poor, the sick, because it will be obvious to us who they are. We will see them wherever we go. I began by saying how selfish and greedy society is today. We may seem to others to be odd or strange in showing Christian values from time to time. We may be mocked to the world we may be ridiculous. But to those that see the love of God in us, those are the ones that will have new opportunity to see and feel that love for themselves because they have seen it in us. We have seen the loving Jesus dying for us. We remember today his resurrection. Unlike us, Jesus was without sin. And so the grave couldn't hold him. And by tradition, today is the day when the world remembers that momentous event. Except for most of them, it's just become another excuse for overindulgence. Let us remember the love that was shown to the world. Thank you, David. The Gospels record many encounters with the risen Lord. We read of Mary suddenly recognizing Jesus by the tomb. 
but there's another meeting I'd like us to think about as we come to share bread and wine together. There were two disciples who were travelling from Jerusalem to Emmaus and met somebody on the road and talked with him and it got late and they said to their companion, stay with us for evening approaches and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them and when he had sat down with them at table he took bread and said the blessing. He broke the bread and offered it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him but he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts on fire as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And they went on to Jerusalem and said, it's true, the Lord is risen. And in sharing bread and wine, we share the experience of Cleopas. We see Jesus face to face in our communion with him. And so I'd like us to sing together hymn 231. Here, O my Lord, I see thee face to face. Here would I touch and handle things unseen. Jesus said, In very truth I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and yet they are dead. I am speaking of the bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats it will never die. I am the living bread that has come down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. The bread which I shall give is my own flesh, given for the life of the world. I'll ask Issa to come and offer our thanks for the bread. Lord God, we thank you for being here this morning to celebrate the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He has conquered death. He is awake. He is alive and is watching us today. We are happy for being here to celebrate it. But before this happened, three, two, three nights earlier, I mean, two, three days earlier, he underwent a very severe torment. He was tortured, flogged, derided by people who do not know what they were doing. Not only that, he was crucified. Crucified and he stayed there for three days. All these Christ did willingly. Willingly because even the night before that, he gave prayers with his disciples. And that was his last supper with them. And in that prayer, he told them that he was going to face death. But then, the disciples who were there with him, remember this night. And keep remembering every day. Because he was giving his, his body, his flesh. Let them eat it. It's the, it's the body of, of life. And they should always keep on doing it. Because he was going to, to be killed. He was going to, going to be tortured. He was going to die. 
all that is doing it to save mankind, to save them, to save the people then that were there, his enemies, and also to save whoever that comes, that becomes a Christian believes. And he said, by doing this, every time we remember him, keep on doing it, that is only the order that is given us in, as a way of paying back to the good he has done to save us from everlasting death. And every day, we, Sunday, we, we assemble here, we stand in front of this congregation, we have to take this uh, body, the Christ body, as he told us to do 2,000 years ago. The only way we can identify ourselves as Christians, people who believe that what Christ did was really, it was indeed for us. And we are prepared to go to trust him, to believe in him forever until we pass away. Our generations coming again do the same thing. We keep on taking his bread, by taking his life. And so God, I pray here, thanking you by giving us this opportunity to do so, partake Christ's body, so that we too, in believing in him, we will also receive salvation from God. So therefore, thank you, uh, and by asking you to accept this prayer through your son, Jesus Christ, who is now watching us, standing here, during this celebration today, this Sunday, accept our prayer through him. Amen. And so we share together in the body of Christ. Jesus continued, In very truth, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you can have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. It is not like the bread which our fathers ate. They are dead. But whoever eats this bread will live forever. Charlie will come and offer our thanks for the wine. Lord, as we now come to, to take this cup and to think about what it means, Lord, we're struck by the contrast which it, it shows us. The contrast between what it represents and what the world we live in represents. Lord, as we take it, help us to reflect on wisdom, not foolishness. On the beauty of your love, your sacrifice, compared to the I, me, now culture we live in. Help us to reflect on victory and not defeat. Help us to reflect on resurrection and eternal life and not death. Thank you for giving it to us. So simple, yet it says so much. And bless us as we pass between each other now. Amen. And so we share together the blood of the new covenant. Crown him the Lord of love. Behold his hands and side. 
those wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. All hail, Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for me. Thy praise shall never, never fail throughout eternity. Heavenly Father, we do rejoice that Jesus is risen. And we thank you for this time that we've shared together this morning. And we pray now that you will bless us as we reflect on the things that we have done and go from this place rejoicing. Our deep gratitude, Father, for the work of our Saviour, that he died to conquer sin and take away its power so that through faith in our Lord we can have life. And we thank you that he was raised from the dead for our justification, that we might be made right with you, justified by faith, and having peace with you. Such a wonderful hope that we have. We thank you, Lord, that we've been able to reflect on these things. And we pray that as we go rejoicing, we might take the principles of our Lord with us so that we can show them to our friends and neighbours and everyone that we meet and live this life that we have now in praise of you and in the hope of that life to come when Jesus will return and fill the world with your kingdom and your principles, your righteousness. And in that day we pray that we might join him in the kingdom that he will establish. Please hear our prayer and grant us these mercies and accept our thanksgiving through our Lord and Saviour Jesus. Amen.